We've talked about how that his service changed after seeing God as king on a throne. And how that many times we have other kings that we look to when God is on the throne and we are committing treason when we serve any other king. We talked about effective service grows out of knowing our guilt is gone. Jesus paid the debt we could not pay. We don't have to carry the weight of guilt. Guilt will cripple your service for God. Today I want to look at one final aspect of how beholding God changes how we serve Him. After seeing the King, Isaiah was different. After knowing his sin was forgiven, his service was different. Now I want you to see that his service changed before lips cleansed him his sin is forgiven and in verse number 8 I heard the voice of the Lord saying who shall I sin and who will go us. Then said I, here am I, send me. And Isaiah does that before ever knowing what serving God would mean. Isaiah did not know. He did not know what his mission would look like. And everyone's mission is different. You have a different way of accomplishing God's plan for you than anybody else does. God has a plan for 
for you that he doesn't have for anybody else but you. Are you willing to say, here am I, send me, even though you don't know what that looks like, but you do know He didn't know the mission. He didn't know how long his mission would last. He didn't know how many days, or weeks, or years he would have. But whatever the length of time he had left, it was going to be given to his king. He didn't know where he was going to go. He didn't know where the Lord was going to send him. Just like some of you sitting in the room today. Let's face it. A year from now, we may not all be here. Not because death has taken us but because God has taken us somewhere else. By the way, that's the only reason any of you can leave. Okay? What a joy it would be for God to reach down in this group and take you somewhere on your mission, on his mission for you. Can I just say something to parents real quick here? Parents, grandparents, okay. I was having a conversation with someone recently and they were afraid. And I understand this. I <laughs> they were afraid for their child to go to a city in the United States to start help work in a church in that city because it's a dangerous place. I understand wanting to protect your kids. Trust me, I understand that. But isn't God in that city too? Isn't God in those places we would fear to go because of safety? And after all, doesn't the New Testament say something about he that findeth his life shall lose it, but he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Isn't, isn't the teaching of the New Testament dying to self? That includes 
safety. You see, some in this room, God may call you to quote-unquote unsafe places. But isn't God there? Only, and I guess, I guess if I could get you to go home with one thought today, I want you to go home with more than that. That's not true in our thinking that only God is God. Isaiah didn't know where he would go. Actually, Isaiah, the point of volunteering, didn't even know what he was going to say. The, the message that he was to deliver one as a prophet. It's not like we had, it's not like what we have today, the written scripture. God would give Isaiah a sermon, a message, and he would then deliver that. I, I do wonder sometimes if those Old Testament prophets, when God said, all right, this is what you say, would go, Isaiah certainly didn't know at the point of volunteering how hard it would be. He didn't know how hard it would be. Nevertheless, not knowing all of those things, he did know what he needed to know. God is on his throne. So I say a volunteers. No excuses. He doesn't offer excuses. Remember when I when Moses did that? But God, I I I I'm not eloquent. I, I'm not smart. I, I'm not, people don't know me. 
and, and Moses went down through this list of excuses until finally, ultimately, God said, you know what? Just shut up and do what I'm saying. And that's in the Hebrew. You look that up. Just do what you're supposed to do. I want you to flip over a few pages to, to the book of Jeremiah and look at chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. Verse 5 says, Before, this is God speaking to Jeremiah, Before I formed thee in the womb or in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified or set you apart, and I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. And what's Jeremiah's immediate response? Uh, Lord, can we talk? Behold, God, I, I, I can't speak. I'm, I'm just a child. No, just so we're clear on something. The word child there doesn't mean that Isaiah was a little guy. He was probably in his late teens at this point. So God comes to this teenager and says, I've called you. It's time to go. And this teenager says, you know, I, I'm not that good at talking. And besides, I'm, I'm just an immature teenager. I'm just a child. And what does God say? Say, I'm not a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I commend thee, that shall thou, that thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces. And isn't that really the problem for most of us? We're afraid of people, not necessarily that we're going to offend them, although that could be true. We're afraid they won't like us. We tend to be, at least I tend to be, a people pleaser. I want people to like me. It bothers me when people don't like me. But God said, love me first. Don't be afraid. Don't make excuses. Don't let anyone or anything keep you from serving your king. The fact is, folks, verse 8. 
is an example of a theological principle that ought to change our lives. And that is that the clarity and the reality of how we view God in his holiness and in his glory and in his majesty how we view God as king is directly related to the clarity of our sense of call and mission to serve our king. When Isaiah saw God, he volunteered to serve. And the fact is there are people in this room who've done that in the past, but you're not doing that now. Why? Because you've, you've turned in your view of God. Maybe you are afraid of faces. Maybe you're making excuses. Behold, God, see him on the throne. Don't let anyone or anything stop you from serving your king. So after he volunteers, God begins to explain what's expected. And I wonder again, after God laid out the plan, if Isaiah might have said something like, let's do that again. Can we start over here? Because this, listen, this is what Isaiah was promised. God promised Isaiah that he would his preaching, he promised Isaiah that his preaching would make the hearts of people hard and cold and resistant to the gospel. The message would harden hearts. Now, I do believe that there were some who listened not many. And the same message that softened some hearts hardened others. But you know what? Isaiah was responsible for the results of his message. He was responsible to deliver it. Isaiah was promised that people wouldn't listen. He wouldn't have big crowds unless they were coming to arrest him. He wasn't promised that people would enjoy his messages. He was 
wasn't promised that people would flock to his services. He wasn't promised the limelight. He was promised personal rejection. He was promised that people would hate him. He was promised that people would not listen. Now, aren't you just excited to go serve God? Church, we don't serve God for what we get out of it. We serve God because God alone is God. Only God is God. Well, if you know Isaiah's story, you know that Isaiah was faithful and faithful to the end. Can I read you the account of Isaiah's death? By the way, if you were to look in Hebrews chapter 11, you won't find Isaiah's name, but you find an account of his death. Let me read to you how one person described that event. He, talking about Isaiah, and he was sawed, S-A-W-E-D. He was sawed asunder with a wood saw. And when Isaiah was being sawn asunder, Belchirah stood up accusing him. And all the false prophets stood up laughing and rejoicing because of Isaiah. And Belchirah, with the aid of others, stood up before Isaiah laughing and deriding. And Belchiris said unto Isaiah, Say, say, I have lied in all that I have spoken, and likewise the ways of Manasseh are good and right, and the ways also of Belchiris and of his associates are good. And this he said unto him when he began to be sawn asunder. But Isaiah was absorbed in seeing God. That's, I'm reading that. Isaiah was absorbed in seeing God. And those, though his eyes were open, he saw them not. 
See, I mentioned Hebrews 11, verse 37 says that there were those who were sawn asunder, sawn in half. According to tradition, Isaiah was put into a hollow log and that log sawed in half. Do you think if Isaiah had known how he would end that he would have volunteered for service? Yes, he would. Because only God is God. And when we behold him as we ought, we don't matter anymore. What we want, our dreams, our goals, our aspirations, whether they're American dreams or whatever kind of dreams they are, when only God is God, He alone matters. So he was promised rejection, Isaiah. He was faithful, though. Why? Because there's one other thing he was promised. Having, having been promised that the people would reject his message, and because of their rejection, they would go into captivity. And as a nation, they would almost completely be destroyed. This is what he was promised. Look at verse 13. But yet in it shall be a tenth. <coughs> Talking about the nation. Yet in it shall be a tenth. And it shall return and shall be eaten as a teal tree and as an oak whose substance is in, even that tenth is going to suffer. Even those that are restored are going through hard times. But now listen. So the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. And I will tell you there's debate about who or what the holy seed is. Is that Israel? Is the holy seed just God saying there will always be a remnant. That may be true. But I tell you what I think probably more likely Isaiah is talking about. He's talking about the king who's yet to come. And we go into chapter 7. And that's who he starts talking about. Isaiah chapter 7. Look at verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. So although Isaiah is promised hardship and hurt 
and rejection and work and toil and labor and and hard hearts and and few results he is promised that in the end there's Jesus and that's all that matters is flip over to chapter 11 and look at verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. I think that's the seed in chapter 6, verse 13. Jesus. Now, I want to make one thing very clear. Serving God, serving Jesus is, an, is not about what we get out of it. So let me ask you something. Would you be faithful to God? Would you be faithful to God if in the end of all things, there wasn't heaven. But there was Jesus. Now think about it. If at the end of all things, there wasn't a street of gold, there wasn't 12 gates made of pearl, there, there wasn't the fellowship of the saints for all eternity, if all that the Bible tells us about a place called heaven did not exist and there was only Jesus, would you still be faithful in serving? If heaven or heavenly reward is your primary motive for serving God, serving Christ, you need to rethink your motives. Because heaven can't be heaven without Jesus. And we don't have to wait until heaven to be faithfully serving Jesus as we should. It's not about the reward. Unless you're thinking that Jesus is the reward, then you're right. Our hope is not a place. Our hope is a person. Our reward is not a crown. No wonder Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. 
And that's why you and I ought to say the same thing. I mean, that's only reasonable, right? It's only reasonable that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable act of worship, reasonable service. Bible school where God used his gospel to convince me that I was a sinner and needed a savior. I was seven. Seven years old. It was in July when I was 12. that I went to my pastor and I said to him, I think God wants me to preach. But I'm 12. He said, he said, I've been praying for you that God would call you into the I am preaching my last sermon. <laughs> we have a guest speaker this Sunday. I didn't know when I was seven. I didn't know when I was twelve. That one day to take away the means by which I love serving him, preaching my voice. But only God is God. And so now, I have to preach that with my life. Because I can't with my lips. But you can. You can. Here am I. 